a podcast about what we think as well as how and why we think it. I'm Nick Bird. I study the philosophy of cognitive science and the cognitive science of philosophy. In this podcast, I'll be reading my chapter, Causal Network Accounts of Ill-Being, Depression, and Digital Well-Being. In this paper, I review how well-being and ill-being can be understood in terms of the causal networks studied by economists, neuroscientists, psychologists, and other scientists. As with all of my papers, the free preprint of the paper can be found on my CV at birdnick.com forward slash CV under publications. This podcast is brought to you by, well, me. If you want to support the podcast or the other stuff I do, then check out birdnick.com forward slash support. But as always, no pressure. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also find out more about me and my research at my website, birdnick.com, on Twitter at bird underscore nick, or on Facebook at birdnick. If you have suggestions or questions for the podcast, you can submit them at birdnick.com forward slash contact. And of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, in your five-star review. You get the idea. Causal Network Accounts of Ill-Being, Depression and Digital Well-Being, by Nick Bird. Abstract. Depression is a common and devastating instance of ill-being which deserves an account. Moreover, the ill-being of depression is impacted by digital technology. Some uses of digital technology increase such ill-being, while other uses of digital technology increase well-being. So, a good account of ill-being would explicate the antecedents of depressive symptoms and their relief, digitally, and otherwise. This paper borrows a causal network account of well-being and applies it to ill-being, particularly depression. Causal networks are found to provide a principled, coherent, intuitively plausible, and empirically adequate account of cases of depression in everyday and digital contexts. Causal network accounts of ill-being also offer philosophical, scientific, and practical utility. Insofar as other accounts of ill-being cannot offer these advantages, we should prefer causal network accounts of ill-being. Section 1. Introduction. Depression is not uncommon. Estimates suggest that major depressive disorder affects more than 272 million people worldwide. And the ill-being of depression is not an isolated phenomenon. Many other forms of ill-being are comorbid with depression. So there's plenty of reason to understand instances of ill-being like depression. However, ill-being is complicated, making it difficult to capture the phenomena with a single account. This paper proposes that causal networks can account for ill-being. It will focus mainly on the instance of depression and digital technology's role therein. The resources for this account of ill-being are borrowed from existing causal network accounts of well-being. The present attempt will not amount to a complete account of ill-being, but it provides both a framework for a more complete account and a motivation to pursue that more complete account. Further, insofar as causal network accounts of ill-being complement existing causal network accounts of well-being, the present causal network account can be instrumental in a comprehensive account of welfare, digital and otherwise. Section 2. Causal Networks Causal networks have a few parts, nodes, relationships, and fragments. Further, one and the same effect can be produced by different causal networks. 
So a causal network account of ill-being will explain ill-being as a multiply realizable phenomenon that is realized by, among other things, nodes, relationships, and fragments. Nodes. A node represents a single variable which has some causal relationships with other variables in a network. One variable that seems to be causally related to ill-being is socioeconomic status, or SES. So SES might be a node in ill-being networks. Relationships. Nodes are connected to one or more other nodes in a network. These connections are often called edges in the literature on causal mod modeling. Nodes can have two kinds of connection with each other, promotional connections and inhibitory connections. Firstly, a node is in a promotional relationship with another node just in case an increase in the coefficient of the one node causes an increase in the coefficient of the other node. The promotional relationship is represented by the line ending with an arrow, as in figure one on the left, which represents an increase in SES causing an increase in self-esteem. Secondly, a node is in an inhibitory relationship with another node, just in case an increase in the coefficient in one node results in a decrease in the coefficient of the other node. The inhibitory relationship is represented by the line ending with a diamond, as in figure one on the right, which represents an increase in face-to-face -face social contact, causing a decrease in loneliness. Fragments. A fragment is a non-complete portion of a network. More precisely, a network fragment refers to two or more nodes of a network containing more than two nodes, as well as the relationships between these nodes. Properties of causal networks. Multiple realizability. We can distinguish between higher level and lower level states of and changes. Lower level states or changes in a network refer to states or changes to the structure and dynamic of a network. Higher level states or changes in a network refer to states or changes that emerge from lower level states or changes. For example, lower level changes in SES, face-to-face -face social contact, and loneliness will have an impact on higher level states of ill-being, such as self-esteem. In this paper, Ill-being refers to a higher-level phenomenon that emerges from the states and changes in the structure and dynamics of lower-level networks, which will be called ill-being networks. Notably, higher-level network states can be multiply realizable. That is, two or more different lower-level network states might correspond to one state of ill-being. Individuation if ill-being is multiply realizable, then individuating different instances of ill-being will sometimes require individuating the differences in the causal networks from which they emerged. Causal networks can be individuated by their structure and their dynamics. Two networks have different structure when they have different nodes and or different connections between nodes. For example, a network with three nodes can be individuated from networks containing more or less than three nodes. Similarly, Two networks with the same nodes can be individuated if they do not share all of the same connections between their nodes. So the network fragments above have different structure because they have different nodes. Two networks have different dynamics when, all else being equal, the relationship between one network's nodes are non-identical to the relationships between another network's nodes. For instance, a network that contains only promotional relationships is distinct from a network of the same nodes that contains only inhibitory relationships. So the network fragments above have different dynamics because one has only a promotional relationship and the other has only an inhibitory relationship. Section 3. A Causal Network Account of Ill-Being 
With the basic resources of causal networks, we can begin to explain ill-being. To focus the discussion, we will limit our scope to cases of depression and digital well-being. Causal networks and ill-being. The first order of business is to point out that the overall dynamic of a causal network can be positive, negative, or neutral. These dynamics determine whether the network is contributing to well-being or ill-being. Causes of well-being and ill-being. A positive causal network is a network that inhibits ill-being or contributes to well-being. Conversely, a negative causal network would either inhibit well-being or contribute to ill-being. Now consider ill-being. Ill-being involves many variables. Feelings, beliefs, motivations, behaviors, habits, traits, abilities, goals, goal attainment, resources, and perhaps other variables. A causal network account of ill-being can represent these aspects of ill-being with nodes. Causal networks can also represent the relationships between variables. Ill-being involves many such relationships. For example, financial and social resources can, con can cause changes in one's feelings and attitudes. Robustness of well-being and ill-being. Also, causal networks can be more or less robust, where robust refers to the resilience of higher-level network states in the face of lower-level network changes. One's ill-being network is more robust insofar as more interventions on lower-level states of the ill-being network produce fewer changes in one's ill-being. Another way to say this is that the more one can change the structure and dynamic of the ill-being network without changing one's ill-being, the more robust their ill-being network is. This notion of robustness implies that there will be qualitative and quantitative thresholds such that some threshold-breaking amount of change to the structure or dynamic of an ill-being network will result in a change in ill-being. In other words, once a threshold is broken, an otherwise robust negative causal network that was reinforcing ill-being might no longer reinforce ill-being. Depression and rumination. Some people are more likely than others to believe that their happiness is a function of goal attainment. Interestingly, this belief is related to numerous other variables like the proclivity to ruminate and the risk of depression. For illustration, consider two people, Lincoln and Jordan. Lincoln believes that happiness is linked to goal attainment. Jordan doesn't believe this. Like anyone might, when Lincoln or Jordan realize that they have attained a goal, they briefly experience a positive feeling. And when they realize that they have failed to reach a goal, they briefly experience a negative feeling. However, because Lincoln believes that happiness is linked to goal attainment, whenever Lincoln realizes that they failed to reach a goal, Lincoln ruminates about this failure. And the more Lincoln ruminates, the more Lincoln feels negatively. Only when Lincoln stops ruminating can they continue trying to attain the same goal. So, unless Lincoln disengages or attains the goal, Lincoln might become stuck in a cycle of negative feelings. Jordan, however, is not so prone to ruminate about failing to attain a goal. After all, Jordan doesn't believe that their happiness is related to attaining or failing to attain goals. So, when Jordan fails to attain a goal, the effects are briefer and less negative. In this example, one's beliefs and habits turn out to be crucial to ill-being. In this case, Lincoln has a belief about happiness and a habit of ruminating that Jordan didn't have. Both are importantly related to other nodes in the ill-being network, such that when Lincoln encounters certain scenarios, they are more prone to fall into a negative cycle of rumination and negative feelings. In network terminology, the dynamics of Lincoln and Jordan's causal networks varied as a function of at least two variables, a particular belief and a particular habit. Lincoln and Jordan are not alone. 
the effect of their beliefs about happiness and goal attainment on their ill-being seems to be generalizable. And the effect of their rumination is also generalizable since it is associated with being in longer and more severe bouts of depression following stressful circumstances. In fact, rumination has also been posited as the mechanism that explains why some depressive risk factors result in depression and others do not. From these details about beliefs, goals, rumination, and negative effect, we can begin to see how a causal network might account for ill-being of certain instances of depression. The causal network can also account for the self-reinforcing nature of certain instances of depression. Further, the causal network accounts for the difference in ill-being between two people that have similar experiences, e.g. similar goal attainment. Depression and learned helplessness. These self-reinforcing dynamics of negative causal networks are helpful in understanding further features of ill-being like robustness. Consider learned helplessness. Learned helplessness is induced when a person finds himself in an undesirable or painful circumstance so often that the person loses the motivation to avoid said circumstances. Various investigations suggest that learned helplessness is a causal condition for depression. To illustrate how a certain negative causal network might lead to learned helplessness and thereby to depression, consider Jonesy. Jonesy believes, implicitly or explicitly, that their happiness is closely tied to excelling at work. So whenever Jonesy believes that they are doing poorly at work, Jonesy feels negatively. Further, Jonesy has a habit of responding to negative feelings by ruminating about them, which leads to additional negative feelings. So doing poorly at work can quickly lead Jonesy into a downward emotional spiral, which might culminate in learned helplessness. And if Jonesy is experiencing learned helplessness, then Jonesy's motivation becomes dangerously low. Some people can recover from this. They might, for example, have the resources to break the self-perpetuating cycle of rumination and negative effect by challenging the thoughts that they're producing their negative feelings, a la cognitive behavioral therapy, or by immersing oneself in experiences that supplant negative thoughts with neutral or positive thoughts, such as a social gathering, a romantic evening, or an impromptu weekend getaway. But Chauncey doesn't have the financial or social resources for these strategies. Chauncey is a single parent with insufficient financial or social resources to break from the near-constant work and childcare responsibilities. So Chauncey's negative thoughts continue to reinforce their negative feelings and vice versa. In network terminology, the dynamic of Chauncey's ill-being network is becoming increasingly negative and increasingly robust. Soon Chauncey seems to lack motivation entirely. Most days, Jonesy cannot even bear to leave the house. This results in poor attendance at work, which increases Jonesy's sense of not excelling at work. Eventually, Jonesy's absenteeism becomes too much for their employer, and Jonesy loses their job. Naturally, this makes Jonesy feel worse than ever about work, and so Jonesy loses all hope that things will get better and begins wondering whether life is still worth living. What was just described is a robust negative network fragment. It will be familiar to those who have experienced or witnessed severe cases of depression. At first, the negative dynamics of this causal network fragment might have been weakened by modest disruptions to the network, e.g. by changing Jonesy's beliefs about their vocation, by interrupting rumination, or by allowing Jonesy to enjoy some time away from the vocational or childcare responsibilities. But eventually, the causal network's dynamic became increasingly negative and increasingly robust until modest interventions would no longer have an impact on Jonesy's ill-being. The network's change thresholds were just too high for such modest changes to cause a higher level change in ill-being. 
Implications for ill-being. The causal roles of rumination and learned helplessness and depression are, of course, empirical hypotheses subject to empirical testing. Nonetheless, insofar as these causal network fragments adequately capture ill-being dynamics, they have implications for well-being, including digital well-being. External nodes. Some nodes in Lincoln's, Jordan's, and Johnsey's well-being network fragments are external. That is, they're not part of one's body, one's immediate environment, or even one's domain of controllable factors. This means that ill-being can depend on factors outside one's control. This is unsurprising. Loved ones die, accidents happen, economies crash, natural disasters occur, and so on. We usually cannot control these factors, and yet they have significant impacts on our well-being. Of course, Institutions can control factors that many individuals cannot, so even if I cannot exert control over monetary, tax, and other policies, some institutions can. As such, some part of my well-being is decided by these institutions. Depending on the nature of responsibility, this might entail that such institutions are also responsible for some part of my well-being. So, causal network accounts of ill-being recommend investigation of potential institutional responsibilities for ill-being. Digital ill-being. Some external factors are partially in our control. Consider digital technology. We can often choose how to use digi digital technology. Moreover, digital technology designers can often choose how to impact users' well-being. Although some argue that digital technology is improving well-being, others are less sanguine. Indeed, the World Health Organization recently recommended that children limit the use of digital technology in order to limit its detrimental impact on well-being. Indeed, one observational study of a nationally representative sample of over a million U.S. adolescent students found that using digital technology predicted lower well-being. More recent analyses suggest that using digital technology accounted for, at most, 0.4% of the variance in well-being. The actual impact of digital technology on well-being is an empirical question. Still, Insofar as we think that ill-being networks contain nodes pertaining to digital technology, and we want to better predict and control ill-being, there's reason to investigate and intervene on the relationships between digital technology and ill-being. Social networks. Some of the external nodes in a well-being or ill-being network are people or features of other people. In other words, our welfare is at least partially dependent on other people. There's some evidence that such social factors do influence our welfare. For instance, bullying predicts fewer friendships in early ad adolescence, which predicts depressive symptoms in later adolescence. Relatedly, family adversity in childhood predicts less family support in adolescence, which predicts greater depressive symptoms in later adolescence. There's also evidence that digital social networks can influence our welfare. For instance, Passively consuming information about people on our so digital social network is linked to lower subjective well-being. Conversely, actively broadcasting and exchanging information with people in our digital social network is linked to higher subjective well-being. Insofar as these social network factors impact well-being and we want to better predict and control ill-being, we should study how these factors feature in ill-being networks. Fortunately, some psychologists are already employing such analyses. For instance, failings and colleagues, correlational analyses found that social comparison and self-esteem featured centrally in networks of Facebook use, rumination, depressive symptoms, and other factors. Self-reinforcement. Causal networks also capture the self-reinforcing nature of some kinds of ill-being. 
When something improves our mood, our better mood might thereby lift the moods of those around us, and this positive dynamic might be self-reinforcing. Alas, self-reinforcing dynamics can also be negative. When something puts us in a sour mood, we might thereby put others in a sour mood. All this depends, of course, on how the nodes between various ill-being networks are related. Overview of Causal Network Accounts of Ill-Being Causal network accounts offer a coherent, fruitful, and informative account of ill-being. The risk and induction of, say, depression can be explained in terms of causal network dynamics. Moreover, the treatment resistance of depression can be explained in terms of the robustness of causal networks. Causal network analysis can also capture how online and offline social factors can contribute to ill-being. Of course, this is only a sketch of a causal network account of ill-being. A more complete causal network account of ill-being would address more features and instances of ill-being. To understand why one should invest in a causal network account of ill-being, we should consider the potential benefits to philosophy, science, and everyday life. Section 4. Benefits of Network Accounts of Ill-Being One metric of the success of an account of a concept is its utility. Causal network accounts of ill-being offer philosophical, scientific, and practical utility. Philosophical utility. A causal network account of depression provides a framework for other forms of ill-being. Once other forms of ill-being are fit into a causal network account, we would have a complement to causal network accounts of well-being. Once causal network accounts for both ill-being and well-being, it would seem that causal networks account for welfare more generally. In other words, a causal network account of ill-being might be instrumental in a complete account of welfare. This provides some motivation to explore the potential of causal network accounts of ill-being. Importantly, much of the grist for causal network accounts of ill-being is scientific. Philosophers' intuitions only take us so far. After all, when two intuitions conflict, we need a method for arbitrating between them. One way to arbitrate between intuitions involves studying intuitions about ill-being as well as the psychological processes that produce these intuitions. So, experimental philosophy could be crucial to the advancement of ill-being research. Scientific Utility Imagine that you're deciding between two accounts of ill-being. Both accounts do well to capture our first-person experience and our intuitions about ill-being, but only one account unifies, makes sense of, and is useful to science. So it seems that this latter account should be preferred to the account that offers only armchair purchase. There is some reason to think that a causal network account of ill-being is the second sort of account. Consider a range of evidence from science. Science generally. By identifying two variables and intervening on one while controlling for other variables, scientists reveal causal relationships between variables. And since causal networks represent variables as nodes and the causal connections between variables, a causal network account of ill-being stands to unify otherwise disparate studies of the variables involved in ill-being. For example, suppose that some experiments find that using backlit touchscreens in the evening disrupts circadian rhythms, and other experiments find that disrupting circadian rhythms disrupts self-esteem. These otherwise disparate findings could be unified with a causal network with nodes referring to evening backlit, backlit touchscreen use, circadian rhythm, and self-esteem. Experimental psychology. Publications in experimental psychology about well-being are rife with causal models like the ones offered herein. 
In fact, many of the causal models in the previous sections were adapted from the causal models of experimental psychologists, so it's no accident that the causal network account resembles this literature. Neuroscience. Exercise has been widely shown to relieve depressive symptoms, and neuroscience is providing, in broad strokes at least, some clues about the causal networks that account for these positive outcomes. Exercise and regular physical activity seem to directly affect the brain in numerous ways. For instance, exercise and physical activity improve synaptic structure by improving potentiating synaptic strength, improve neuroplasticity via neurogenesis, increase glia density, additional 5-HT and dopamine, additional astrocytes at the blood-brain barrier, increased signals of both glutamate and GABA in the visual cortex, and increased signals of glutamate in the anterior cingulate cortex. Effects like these are said to jointly cause, quote, growth factor cascades, end quote, which improve overall, quote, brain health and function, end quote. Exercise and physical activity also indirectly affect the brain. Generally speaking, quote, exercise reduces peripheral risk factors for cognitive decline, end quote, by preventing, among other things, neurodegeneration, neurotrophic resistance, hypertension, and insulin resistance. By preventing these threats to neural and cognitive health, exercise is indirectly promoting conditions for brain health and function. And all these direct and indirect effects of exercise and physical activity on the brain are associated with or causally related to significant reductions in depressive symptoms. We can represent these direct and indirect effects of exercise and physical activity on depression with a causal network fragment. Exercise is not the only intervention on the brain that matters. Randomized experiments find that stimulating and or disrupting the neural function in various subcortical regions of the brain, such as the deep brain stimulation or DBS, lead to significant and long-term reductions in depressive symptoms. All these hypotheses about the brain's relationships to cases of ill-being like depression seem amenable to causal network accounts. Admittedly, more research is needed to identify all of the causally relevant variables and precisify the causal dynamics in the brain which underlie various forms of ill-being like depression. Economics. Economists and other social scientists also use causal networks to visualize their research on well-being. For example, it was economists who helped reveal that the effects of self-esteem and personal competence on health and overall welfare are partially accounted for by socioeconomic status. They illustrated their findings with causal networks. They started with a relatively small network fragment, but soon found evidence of a larger network. Psychiatry. Causal network accounts of ill-being also appear in psychiatry. Indeed, these accounts provide the resources to make sense of why depressive symptoms are relieved more reliably and for longer periods of time by certain manipulations like cognitive therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy, and electroconvulsive therapy. In fact, it was the literature in psychiatry that inspired the story of Jordan and Lincoln. This literature suggests that, among other things, cognitive behavioral therapy's method of identifying and challenging certain negative, unhealthy, or even counterproductive beliefs can weaken negative causal network dynamics and thereby relieve depressive symptoms. These data suggest that, among other things, Beliefs are part of many people's ill-being networks. The data also suggests that reflecting on our beliefs can have psychiatric benefits. More recent meta-analysis has examined the efficacy of virtual versions of some of these therapies. 
they find that the virtual therapies are as effective as their non-virtual counterparts. This is one way that digital technology can be part of the solution to various cases of ill-being. In causal network term terminology, the nodes referring to therapy involve in vivo, or virtual therapy. Sports medicine. Some have pointed out that e-health technology might lead to greater adoption of physical activity regimens. Some evidence supports this hypothesis. For instance, a pre-registered randomized control trial found that activity tracker use stemmed reductions in moderate to vigorous physical activity relative to a control group six months after the experiment ended. Although activity tracking often improves physical activity and mobility, which might reduce ill-being in various ways, their effects on quality of life is not well understood. Further research could clarify this part of causal networks involving activity, digital activity, tracking, and well-being. Other sciences. Other domains of science reveal additional details about the network of causes that account for forms of ill-being like depression. For instance, depression seems to be causally related to genetic variation, genetic expression, opioid activity, and endogenous cytokine production. Correlational studies. Some scientific findings about ill-being are correlational rather than causal. For instance, depressive symptoms correlate with race, urban versus suburban residents, endogenous protein production, and vitamin D efficiency. While correlational studies do not reveal causes, they reveal details which guide follow-up studies that might identify causes. So correlational studies are still amenable and instrumental to causal network accounts of ill-being and the science thereof. Practical Utility As philosophers continue to explicate the nodes in ill-being networks and scientists investigate their causal relationship to other nodes, we can better predict and control ill-being. Importantly, this philosophical and scientific work can be useful beyond philosophy and science. It can also serve ordinary people and institutions. Institutions Consider how governments and businesses might make use of the insights of scientific interventions on ill-being. First, they might be able to inform and reform policies that reliably inhibit their constituents' ill-being. Moreover, institutions might have the ability to intervene on nodes in people's ill-being networks in ways that individuals cannot. Thus, individuals might be reliant on institutions for certain interventions on their ill-being. Given this relationship, one might wonder if institutions owe it to their constituents to understand the causal networks involved in ill-being and implement policy accordingly. Intervening on constituents' ill-being networks need not be entirely altruistic. Indeed, institutions might find that they can nudge constituents toward greater well-being in mutually beneficial ways. For instance, businesses might find that returns on investments increase as a result of employer-subsidized ill-being interventions. Indeed, businesses may already be crunching these numbers. Individuals Causal network accounts of ill-being can also deliver practical advice. Recall that various forms of physical activity, exercise, and therapy reliably inhibit certain forms of ill-being like depression and cognitive decline. It does not strain imagination to conceive of how people might use this knowledge to intervene on instances of their own well-being. This raises questions about how to think about failures to learn from and apply causal network accounts of well-being. Are we personally responsible for intervening on our own ill-being? Such universal responsibility seems difficult to defend. There may be many reasons why we could know about interventions that will reliably inhibit our ill-being, 
fail to implement the intervention and yet not be responsible or blameworthy for failing to implement these interventions, such as Johnsy's case of learned helplessness. Nonetheless, our ill-being may have impacts on others. So, insofar as we have duties to not harm others' well-being, we might have duties to limit our own ill-being or its impact on others. Causal network accounts need not commit to positions about personal responsibility. The point is just that the causal networks provide resources for identifying or tracing responsibility between individuals. Section 5. Objections and Replies Causal network accounts of ill-being offer philosophical, scientific, and practical benefits. So, causal network accounts should be preferred to accounts of ill-being that offer less than this. Nonetheless, the causal network theorist may encounter objections. Consider some objections related to normativity, triviality, intuitive appeal, and completeness. Normativity. Some might complain that the causal network account of ill-being doesn't actually capture what is bad about ill-being. It doesn't account for why we should avoid ill-being and be concerned about others avoiding ill-being. In other words, the causal network account of ill-being does not meet the, quote, normativity requirement, end quote. The normativity requirement has many forms. Michael Bishop offers five possible ways to interpret the normativity requirement and then explains why it is not clear that any of the interpretations of the requirement are devastating to the causal network account of well-being. Since the causal network account of ill-being is based in large part on Bishop's causal network account of well-being, there's prima facie reason to think that Bishop's responses to the normativity requirement apply to the present account of ill-being as well. So, unless it becomes clear that the normativity requirement is uniquely devastating to the present account of ill-being, further responses to the normativity requirement need not be invented. So consider Bishop's conclusions about normativity. First, we can agree on two outcomes. A causal network account either meets the normativity requirement or it doesn't. If it does meet the requirement, then the complaint about normativity is moot. If it doesn't meet the requirement, then there are at least two reasons why this failure might not be devastating. First, the normativity requirement is illegitimate. Or second, the normativity requirement is too controversial to constitute a universal requirement. So invoking the normativity requirement invokes two further requirements, a legitimate and uncontroversial standard, and an explanation of precisely how the causal network account fails to meet this standard. Until these goods are delivered, causal network accounts of ill-being will be unscathed by normativity requirements. We knew it all along. Someone might also complain that the causal network account of ill-being is trivial in the following way. Quote, of course ill-being is the result of causal networks. Why would we have thought otherwise? End quote. One might say something even more detailed. The very fact that the causal network account is intuitively plausible, implicit in scientific practice, inferred from various empirical findings, and is not already formalized is reason to think that we have known about the causal network account all along, at least implicitly. If this is really what it means for something to be known all along, then so be it. It is not clear that this is a real problem for the causal network account of ill-being. To illustrate, reconsider the complaint. If the causal network accounts of ill-being are so obvious, then it might be strange that no one has formalized such an account. After all, many scholars are in the business of, among other things, formalizing and tidying up our implicit intuitive views of the world. So if a scholar provides a more formal and explicit version of our intuitive implicit understanding, then they've not made an error. On the contrary, 
they've delivered the goods. Intuition fitting. Someone might also complain that the causal network accounts of ill-being do not capture all of their intuitions about ill-being. The response to this complaint is simple. Satisfying every intuition is not an achievable standard. Further, it's not clear that satisfying every intuition is a good standard. Indeed, many instances of good scholarship seem to challenge the most common and potent intuitions. At this point, causal network accounts of ill-being seem to provide a coherent and compelling account of many intuitions about cases of ill-being, such as Lincoln's rumination and Johnsey's learned helplessness. A complainant might reply as follows, quote, But lots of philosophical accounts capture some of our intuitions. How is the causal network account any better than the other philosophical accounts? End quote. The answer to this question, of course, depends on the details of the alternative accounts. Causal network accounts of ill-being do more than just capture our intuitions. They also provide philosophical, scientific, and practical utility. If there are competing accounts of ill-being that can deliver all of these goods, then complaint the complainant's point is well taken. If, however, alternative accounts of ill-being do not deliver all of these goods, then causal network accounts seem to be preferable. Completeness. Another complaint is that the present attempt to bolster causal network accounts of ill-being is incomplete. After all, this paper focuses on just a couple instances of ill-being, depression and digital ill-being. It does not catalog and account for every instance of ill-being, so it certainly does not follow from anything in this paper that ill-being, generally speaking, is well captured by causal networks. This complaint seems reasonable. Still, the friend of the causal network account might hope that the present account, while incomplete, provides a framework for a more complete causal network account of ill-being. One framework that is implicit in this paper can be made explicit as follows. First, identify instances of ill-being, and then appeal to first-personal and third-personal observations to propose which nodes might be involved in such ill-being, then provide empirically tractable explications in, uh, of these nodes and their relationships, test their correlational and causal relationships between these nodes, once some nodes and their representations have been discovered, hypothesize the causal network fragment and its implications, test the implications of the hypothetical causal network fragment, guide philosophical, scientific, and practical endeavors according to successful hypotheses about ill-being, compare the causal network accounts of ill-being to competing accounts to determine which account delivers more utility. So, while the present account does not constitute a complete account of ill-being, it may be instrumental in a more complete account. Section 6. Conclusion. Causal network accounts of depression and digital ill-being offer a framework for a more complete account of ill-being. Causal network accounts of ill-being also provide motivation to pursue this more complete account, philosophical, scientific, and practical utility. Further, insofar as the more complete causal network account of ill-being would complement an existing causal network account of well-being, causal network accounts are instrumental to a unified and complete account of welfare, digital and otherwise. Insofar as alternative accounts of ill-being cannot do all of this, we should prefer causal network accounts of ill-being. If you want to hear more, you can subscribe wherever you find podcasts. You can also find out more about me and my research at my website, birdnick.com, on Twitter, at bird underscore nick, or on Facebook, at birdnick. If you have suggestions or questions for the podcast, you can submit them at birdnick.com forward slash contact. 
And, of course, if you end up enjoying the Upon Reflection podcast, then feel free to tell people about it online, in person, or in a five-star review. 